With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good evening, good day, good morning, wherever you're around the world. This is the Spurs Show. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, well, we're recording this show uh, before the uh, Leicester game, so apologies uh, that we won't be commenting on the last game. But this morning, uh, we are looking at the game on Sunday. It's the third time we played them in quick succession. Uh, a game I always loathe. I, you know, you talk about certain away games. Chelsea's up there with games I, I hate going. There's that walk when you go to the away end and all the fans are waiting and there's only one entrance so they know you're Tottenham as you go in. Very, very unpleasant. But we got them uh, on Sunday uh, to join me to discuss that. Returning Chris Powers is here. Hi, Chris. Hey, hey. Good to see you. Paul Hawksby's here. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. Raymond, Raymond Simons is here as well. Lovely to see you again. Lovely. Well, let's talk about Chelsea. And uh, we'll, we'll talk, Chris, with... Uh, there was some unseemly, and I have to say, quite long historical chanting that I'm assuming other clubs... I mean, I don't know. I, I don't go to see Chelsea play other teams. But I think historically, it has been Tottenham fans that have been chanting uh, a certain homophobic chant. In fairness to Tottenham, the club, uh, they came out very, very quickly and condemned it, which I thought was really, really good. What are the organisations you work with trying to do? And how do you stamp out a chant Sunday afternoon? People being drinking for hours. The, you, you, we know how it works. What do you try and do? I don't think we're going to do it overnight. And mm. I just, I also want to say it's not just us. Right. So, you know, um, when th- this happens to Chelsea when um any when away teams go to them right and it also happens to chelsea players on loan in home games so oh, anfield, know that. Really? yeah anfield chanted at billy gilmore and actually liverpool did a really great thing where they got um jürgen klopp 
um, in conversation with um, a guy called Paula Mann, who chairs their LGBTQ plus fan group. And they did like a six minute video, which got viewed more than a million times. Because, you know, anything with Klopp in it, mm. you know, Liverpool fans want to hear about it. Um, and they talked about the impact of that chant. And so it's, it's happened all over the all over the Premier League this season. Um, and it happens when away teams go to Chelsea. And look, I'm very much of the view that mostly people don't sing it with any homophobic intent. Mm. Actually, you're not saying like, brilliant, let's be homophobic or whatever. However, it is homophobic. Otherwise, you call them something else. There are loads mm. of things you can level at Chelsea. Like right? a thick many. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and if we look at where it's come from, you know, there's, a, there's an urban myth that says that there was a Chelsea headhunter that was found in bed. I didn't even, I didn't even know this. Yeah, with a male sex worker back in the 80s. I just thought it came, but I thought it came from the, the 60s, the swinging 60s Chelsea Kings Road. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That's the other, and that's the, I think that's probably more likely. Right. But someone actually sent me a cut, a, a sort of a, a, a newspaper cutout of an article that said about this headhunter that had been found oh, in bed. I didn't know that. Sex worker. So, you know, I think. That, that's what I think, we, you know, what I'd, and we're, what we're doing from the Proud Lily Whites is we are trying, we've sort of started a campaign that's trying to sort of hashtag retire the chant. Mm. It, fact, exactly in that thing of like, look, most people don't chant it with homophobic intent, but that is, that's the impact. And, and actually we work quite closely with Chelsea Pride um, and we collected over, this was last year, collected, you know, several and I mean sort of, you know, nearly 100 impact statements of the impact that that chant has on LGBTQ plus football fans, mostly gay men. And actually what we managed to do with that is the CPS, and it's really positive to see the CPS making a clear statement that their position on the term rent boy has changed. And listen, this isn't about criminalising anybody. I don't want anyone to get arrested, but I don't want to have a debate about whether it's homophobic or not, because I know that's the impact that it has. And if you read the stuff that's on our social media, my co-chair, Lee Johnson, had that slur levelled at him in the playground um, by the school bully, and the school bully was suspended. So if the school bully suspended, I don't know why we let it happen in, in, uh, in football grounds. And Lee is a massive Spurs fan, didn't go to Spurs for six years when he first heard that chant. He left after 20 minutes of that Chelsea game that he went wow. to and he didn't come back until he found the proud Lily Whites. He still can't go to, wow. still can't go to um, watch us play Chelsea. He missed the lane, the finale at White Hart Lane oh, because he wasn't going then. And it hurts him. It hurts him deeply. But, you know, his, his self-esteem, his mental health was affected by being bullied. And this is an this is the impact. And if Lee's brave enough to tell us this story, I don't know how many more people have that have felt like that. And look, we've we've we're spending these fifteen minutes of our time talking about football because we love it. We go to football we, in the wind, the rain, and the snow because we love it. We love that feeling it gives us. We love that collective, that community. I don't want to deny that to anybody. And that chant is doing that, which is why we started this hashtag retire the chant campaign. Slightly side, side question, and I don't know if this is linked. And I've always been mystified now. I, I, I hope to think people are more progressive and everything goes with it. Why haven't gay footballers, professional footballers come out? I'm sure some have but high-profile footballers in the Premier League. Well, why? Because they'd be, I think they'd be absolute heroes. I just think 
they would be such role models. I don't, I mean, I, I could hypothesise about, I could hypothesise about this. There's nobody in the top flight. I think there's a couple of things, right? One is, if you think about the fact that you're, you're always your, your best self, if you're, you do your best work, if you're your authentic self, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we know the margins are really, really small in football in terms of at the top flight. So is there a possibility that because it's often at those moments when you're coming to terms with a sexuality, you might be a, of a certain age that you don't actually make it because there are those moments there, or you think actually I have to hide myself because I don't want this to be, you know, I don't want this to be the sideshow because it is going to be a sideshow for the, certainly for the first few um, professional male players. Do you think so? Do you think even now, I mean, I, the only one I can think of now, which obviously ends in a tragedy, was Justin Fashionu, who I met when he was at Hearts. A lovely, lovely man he was too. That's obviously a tragic story. We spoke to Robbie Rogers when his book came out, uh, the, the the American player. Uh, he came out after his career. And I said to him, would you ever have come out when you're actively playing in this country? He said, no way. Not the culture of the dressing room. Now that was seven, eight years ago. But I still think there's a, that's and that's another concern. They, they obviously, uh, these players that don't feel comfortable coming out here, there is a culture in the dressing room. They hear things that makes them think, well, uh, you know, this dressing room, this country isn't, isn't ready for this. These players aren't ready for this. This game isn't ready for this. And I think that has a bearing on it. So I don't know what, Chris? Yeah, maybe. I think actually even in those seven or eight years, I think we've got a different generation of players. I think so. I had, a, well, I had a really interesting conversation last Rainbow Laces, so December 2020, not 2021, with Eric Dyer and Pierre-Emile Hoybier, which you can see on Spurs socials. And actually it was a very, you know, they're both thoughtful guys, but those are the kind, you know, certainly those are the kinds of, of players in our dressing rooms now. And they are, they're a different generation to Lampard mm. and Gerrard, right? Yeah. Who's, you know, and John Terry, who's probably around, a bit more around Robbie Rogers' time. And I think that there is a, there's something around, I think I think that does make a difference. But I think if you look at Josh Cavallio in, who came out in the A-League in, in Australia. And so he's a, you know, he's a professional player. Um, you know, he was like, I have to be, you know, I have to be true to myself. But it wasn't, it was only two or three weekends ago, I think, that he got, you know, mm. like quite seriously homophobically abused from, from the crowd. So I think there will be a bit of a sideshow from, from potentially from some opposition fans, but not from everybody. And I think there's something around, I've always got this kind of, dream that there are like five or six you know because there's going to be several gay men who are probably you know professional um footballers right now that they all do it together mm. so that you yeah. haven't got one a focus on one person because that pressure actually can yeah. affect you know if you're, under, you're under pressure anyway for a professional footballer imagine putting yourself under other under under more pressure the, the idea that like you said, Mike, at the start was, you know, someone comes out as gay as a... Because Josh Cavallo is the only professional player in any top-flight league anywhere in the world who is openly gay. He got an amazing response across the world. All these footballers, Messi and PK and Lineker and everyone was praising him on social media. And we were all like, this is great. This could start something. And it was this weekend, Chris, what you mentioned, it happened this weekend where he had to come out saying... He heard the homophobic chanting and comments and it affected him like, maybe like is unfair, but a black player hearing the racism on a pitch. So when Mike, when you say someone could come out and they could be a hero, I get that. On the other hand, 
why should they have to be a hero? Yeah, maybe yeah, what they yeah, want to yeah. be, you know, is a football player and all of that. And actually taking on, I can't imagine the weight on your shoulders being the first openly gay Premier League footballer. Mm. And Chris, the idea of a whole bunch of people coming out at the same time would be incredible. But I think the first person to do it, unfortunately, if if we and other clubs are, shout, are singing homophobic chants for no real reason at fans, there are players in every ground that are going to shout homophobic chants at a player who comes out. And I could, ima- I could just can't imagine if you're if you're gay and wanted to come out, knowing that you're going to have to deal with that, thousands of potentially thousands of people chanting at you. I just can't imagine that pressure. Having said that, though, I think that that we, as fans, we do recognise what is unacceptable and that actually it can affect your match going. So I think overt, overt, in inverted commas, homophobia probably won't happen because you know actually you might get done. And that's why I think there's a little bit of bad faith around this rent boy chant because, you know, and in the same way that, you know, you had people saying we're booing the knee because... Um, we're opposed to Marxism. Mm. I've never had a heard a conversation about Marxism in my life at football. I think it's that bad. It's, it's that bad faith. Potentially. You clearly don't sit in the West Upper. We, we, we're talking about Engels, <laughs> Marx. Oh, Dialect- we can't get enough of it. Dialectical materialism. Yeah, all oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You should yeah. leave them with all their little books making notes. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a lot of what the boundary isn't there. I mean, you know, mm. Tottenham uh, fans and players are subjected to completely vile stuff from a small section of the Chelsea support, but that doesn't make it right. You know, around the, the Chelsea rent boy champ, people say, yeah, but what about what Chelsea sing at us? You know, two wrongs don't make a right. We got, we got to be better than that. I absolutely agree that we've got to be better. And I have to say, as a, as a, a as an out loud and proud Jew, right, who wears his Jewishness on his sleeve. You're Jewish? I had no idea. I, I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Mike, you didn't know. Um, but, um, but, but, and I've been going to Spurs since since the uh, 78, since about 1978, 79 season, since my dad, my late father was taking me. And I remember being a kid in the 80s and hearing that, the, any kind of Y word chanting. And this is, you know, my old man who, who, had, who had been at Cable Street as a kid, as a you know, young kids throwing the marbles underneath the horses. You've heard those stories about the Battle of Cable Street with Oswald Mosley. So he wasn't a black shirt. He was he wasn't a black shirt. He was against the black shirts, and I will defend his name. Right? He was, and he couldn't hear that word. And we fast forward to now, and mm. I there were a few matches when my son, who's coming up for fourteen, when he was a bit younger, and I first started taking him. Uh, I didn't take him to any games against Chelsea or West Ham because every time, every single time. We would hear not just the Schneidy stuff, but also songs about Auschwitz, about Hitler. Never mind, I mean, running around Tottenham where your wheelie's hanging out is, is bad enough. But when they're singing songs about the Holocaust, right, how do I explain to my kid, oh, it's just banter, it's just... You can't, in the same way that if I was with friends and I've been to, to matches with gay friends at a different stadium, if there's homophobic chances, you can't say, oh, it's OK, it's, it's just banter. But the Chelsea fans, a section of Chelsea fans, a section of West Ham fans, you know, in that final season at White Hart Lane, my seats where I'd been in for many, many years was that corner that got taken away. Yeah. yeah. You know, they let us know about a week or two before the start of the season, but I'll leave that aside. Where did I get put? 15 rows from the front, uh, uh, behind the goal, 
at the end of a row where there were only two seats between me and the away fans. You can see me. I'm not hard. And, and to hear what I had to hear with the anti-Semitic chanting from fans, particularly that Chelsea game and that West Ham game where we turned it around, if you remember, and beat them, I don't think I've ever been so happy to, to beat a team. And I don't think I've ever run away from Spurs as quickly as I ran away after that game because it was vile, right? It was vile. So, so we are on the end of it and none of it, as Paul says, makes it right to give those chances. But we know what it's like. Loads of us know what it's like to be on the end of those kind of offensive, problematic chants. And actually, I think, Chris, you're being, you're an expert in your work. So, so this is outrageous for, and chutzpah of me to say. I think you're being generous to our fans by saying that people say it without thinking it's homophobic. And I would love to believe the same. I would love to believe the same. And I think that's like saying Chelsea and West Ham fans don't think they're being in any way anti-Semitic when they're singing songs about Auschwitz and gas chambers and Hitler. I don't buy it. I think people know full well when they're singing songs with those words, it can't be anything other than homophobic. And they might say, oh, I don't mean it that way. But if you're doing it to get to, to belittle someone, what you're saying yeah. is something that is gay, something that is queer, is, is embarrassing and you should be embarrassed to be this. So mm. it's homophobic. And, and it's yeah. you know there's no excuse. Well, look, let's let's go to a, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, talk about the game against Chelsea on Sunday. Back in one minute. And we're back for the break. Uh, don't forget, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Leave us a nice review on iTunes. Next week, we have Martin Lipton joining me and Theo Delaney and then a special recording with Martin Chivers. Uh, check out those. You can be at the event with Martin Chivers. Go to season.spurshow.net, sign up, and we'll see you next Tuesday at our live event in London W1. Right, Paul, Chelsea on Sunday. Uh, we talked in the last show about not being anywhere near them. Wouldn't it be funny that we all don't think we've got a chance and they're a little bit complacent. Um, have we got any chance of turning it around? Well, it's the, hope, um, it's the hope that kills us again. On the basis of what Conte said today, that probably only Bergwijn's going to be the only player back for that game. And I don't think Chelsea have deteriorated massively in the last 15 days. Uh, we're probably likely to see the same outcome. We can give them a look. We've played them twice. And Conte's a great coach. He might say, this is the way the goal we can get at nice. them. Yeah, it yeah. would be nice. And if, you know, we could get at them. And if we did score early, I can't believe I'm saying this, it, it, you know, it, uh, and there is a little bit of unrest at Chelsea. And there's some talk yeah. of Tuchel being under a little bit of pressure, not getting the best out of some of their players. Mm. Just like to see us compete. If we could nick a point, I, I would be absolutely delighted. If, if it's a nil-nil, but a 1-1 or a nil-nil, would be fantastic to take something from the bridge because not a lot of teams will. Although mm. things like Brighton did, you know, they they've done recently. It's not it's not a fortress. We just yeah. have to give a better account of it. We're better You've than we played in those two games. So if we show up, we can. Who knows? We might nick it, but I'd be very happy with a draw. The frustration, Chris, with these games and how many times over the years we said that we talked about these games and we talked about it at the last show. Something happens in the first five minutes. There's an error. I mean, it happened in the in the League Cup, uh, both legs, but especially the first leg, Tanganga, uh, both both errors. You know, you just 
what can you, there's not much you can do as a coach when you tell people what to do and he tells people exactly where to pass the ball and where to move he's you know forensic with what he does and then when it goes out the window after five minutes it, it's it, it's so difficult at this level to get back into a game well I think we'll all be looking at the clock right yeah. because actually you just <laughs> yeah. want to see us see out that first those first 15 minutes or even as Paul says maybe nick a goal and I think that's the thing is that like he is a good coach. We have played them twice. We're not at our best. Let's get it right. We haven't got Sonny, which does make a difference. You know, I think Eric Dyer being back will make a big difference because, you know, great marshaller of our defence. You know, we've seen the both of those games. Actually, if Eric had been playing, it might have been a bit different. So, you know, with Eric back, hopefully not making a mistake early, I want to see them just at least look like they're up for it as well, actually. And I think if they look like they're up for it, I and, you know, that, I'd take a point. I'd take a point now. Yeah. Right, I mean, wouldn't it be lovely to go in at half-time and we're still level? <laughs> wouldn't it be great to go in at half-time and just go, great, nil-nil, nil-nil. We're, we're still in it, as opposed to, when are we going? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is the level of our ambition. Uh, going in at nil-nil. I mean, during the, during the second leg of the semi-final, all around us for at least the last 40 minutes, people were going, when is it too early to leave? When yeah. does it look bad, right? But the, yeah. here's the thing. If you look at whatever else we say, you know, two comical goals, pretty much own goals, whatever they're chalked up as in the first leg, you know, bad bad goalkeeping in the second leg, ifs and buts and VAR. And when you look at the stats of goals, uh, sorry, shots on target, we had... Five shots on target over two legs in that in that semi, right? Two two at theirs. We had two shots on target against them. We had one corner at Chelsea. One corner in the whole game. That's unthinkable in a match. That's ridiculous. So so really, you know, if we were if we were if we were if we were in any way neutral and going with our brain, we'd be saying, you know, we're going to get we're going to get smashed. And if we don't have, you know, we know that we need um, we need our, our, our top defenders back. Who would have said? I think you've. A few of your guests have said this in recent weeks. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season we'd all be missing Dyer so terribly? Um, you know, who surely drew an England call up at, at some point again soon. But but if we don't have him, if our two wing backs cannot get across in, Kane looks forlorn and on his own. We haven't got Sun. You know, it's not going to be a high scoring game for us unless I've got a plan. Are we allowed to play Lo Celso in his Argentina show? <laughs> not a bad idea. You know the rules better than me. Can we do that? Yeah, not a bad idea. Or let's try and get the game called off. We could do somehow. That's a good idea. COVID outbreak. That's, you know, that's it. Let's go to a, a prediction. Paul, give us a prediction for this weekend's game. I'll be positive. Um, I'm going to go one each. One uh, each. Yeah. Nice, Chris. I was going to go one each, but I'm going to be even more positive and say we're going to nick it two one. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> Raymond. Uh, well, I was going to say I was going to say one all only because I never predict a Spurs loss, but I can't predict anything better than one all. One all. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two two, oh. and I'm going to go. We'll be leading, and they'll get a goal near the end, and we'll go. Oh, we should have won, but oh, we would have taken the draw though, wouldn't we? I'm going to go two two. I think. I think we're due a good. We're due a good performance against them now. We're if we play, performance. if we play close to what we played against Liverpool. Absolutely. Ifs and ifs yeah. and ifs and buts. But I know, if you go, I know, I know. you know, this it, it, that, that was that was that was the best I've seen us play in the last couple of seasons, probably. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we know we can do it. 
Absolutely. There are a couple of changes of players because of injury, but if we can do anything, if they can raise their game for it, if Conte can't get them up for that, no one can. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week. Myself, Theo Delaney and Martin Lipton. And then later on the week, the great Martin Shivers. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to see you. You too. Raymond, thank you very much. Go and check out JW3. Go and check out their wonderful uh, events every single day. Paul, good luck with the radio show. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Enjoyed it. Thanks. And uh, see you at the lane soon, probably. Uh, Until the next time, how about you, Spurs? How are you, Spurs? How are you, you, If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.